Again, it's always a joy of our worship band. They just um, always lead in a tremendous way. We're grateful for all they do. It's good to have you all here. Those of you who may be new, uh, my name is Ricky Willis, um, pastor here, and it's a joy to welcome you in our time together for worship. And as uh, I hope you received this morning when you came in, and I, uh, a bulletin piece there that has some handouts for you this morning and gives you a, where, what's going on, but also gives you a study guide that I hope you will take the time to Take it home with you, read it, make it a part of your daily discipline to read God's word. And we're going to be, scripture this week is going to be talking about some of the themes that we're going to be dealing with today. There's also a place there for you to make notes of things you might want to remember from this morning's sermon that I encourage you to do as well. As we prepare to hear God's word together, let us just center ourselves in God's presence. Would you do that with me? Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for the opportunity to be with one another. As we come together, Lord, we are mindful of those who have been in harm's way from Hurricane Nate. And as a nation, we have been grieving and in shock over the events of Las Vegas and there's Puerto Rico. And just headlines every day, God, seem to be this barrage of of bad news and people suffering and hurting. And we all gather here with our own issues, our own challenges, our own burdens that we're bearing. Yet, God, in the midst of it all, You speak words of hope, words of encouragement. Your presence is made known. You carry us when we can't carry ourselves. Oh, God, we are so thankful for you and your love for us. I pray now that in this moment together, we just speak to us and may your Holy Spirit be at work within us, opening our hearts and our minds, that all that we do in this place, Lord, brings us in that closer relationship with you, helping us to become more of the people you call us to be. To you be the glory now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, last week we began a series of sermons where we're talking about the power of our words. Uh, when I was working with this series, we were going through all the headlines of just, there just seem to be so many words in our, our culture today that are um, making it tough <clears throat> to find peace and harmony and, and live together in, in the way that God wants us to. So put together this series and Last week, we, we began with the words that we experience in everyday life. This week, we're going to be talking about the power of our words when it comes to our families. And whether you're married or not, I really believe that uh, this, what I have to say or the parts of this sermon are going to speak to you because we, are all, uh, we all have family relationships. We are all connected and we are having to deal with people that we consider to be part of our family. And so I, I think it's going to be able to speak to you this morning, regardless of, of where you are. Um, and I, I want to begin with a metaphor this morning for us. Uh, I, I have two plants up here. And one of these plants has, um, both of these plants, they're the same kind of plant. They have the same kind of soil in them. Um, the, the difference is that one of these plants has been watered <clears throat> and taken care of. The other plant, um, not so much so. It's, um, it's been exposed to the sun without uh, being watered. And you can see the difference in these two plants. And this is the picture I want you to have in your mind today as we talk about the power of our words when it comes to our family relationships. Because we have the power with our words to wilt another human being. Or we have the power to, to say words that bless and help uh, people blossom and grow. And every day we are choosing words that either do one or the other. Uh, last week I introduced you to a verse from Paul's letter to Ephesians that I actually encourage you to memorize because it's such an important verse and when it comes to the power of our words. 
And uh, I want to encourage you to say it with me again this morning. Let's, let's say these verse, this verse together. You see it on the screen. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to all those who hear. Now, <clears throat> Paul begins by saying, let no evil talk come out of your mouth. And we learned last week, if you were with us, that the word that Paul uses for evil here is the Greek word sapros, which literally means it's talking about food that has spoiled or gone bad. It's food that's rotten. And so the evil talk, what he's talking about, is talk that is, that is rotten. It's, it's, it's gone bad. It's bad talk. It's disgusting. It's uh, talk that can, um, it can make people sick, uh, like, like rotten food does. And Paul says we are not to use these kinds of words. And our dealings and our conversations with one another. Now, when it comes to plants, in order to help a plant grow healthy and like this and to grow and blossom, you have to add fresh water to it. You have to uh, add fertilizer and nutrients to, to help it grow. Um, but if you wanted to kill a plant, you might use salt water. I mean, salt water, most plants can't survive. There. That kills most plants, right? But uh, there's a, one of my preferred methods of... Um, of killing plants is this this stuff right here. It's called Roundup, you know. <clears throat> now, when I when I have plants, I want to get rid of around my house. This is what I use, and um, the way that Roundup works is that it actually kills the plant from the inside out. It it, it prevents the roots from absorbing the the nutrients that it needs to survive, and so it actually kills it from the inside out. And I got to thinking about how that is very similar to the way our words work when it comes to family systems. I think about the different families that I've known over the years who this has been true for. Um, think about the young boy whose father always referred to him as Doofus. Every time he said, hey, Doofus, come here. Hey, Doofus, go get that. And the dad thought it was really funny. But every time he would call his son that, you could just see his countenance just fall. And this young man I watched grow up, never feeling that he could really measure up to others, because his father always thought that he was a doofus. Or the young girl who, um, because of her being overweight, her family often referred to her as Miss Piggy or Piggy or Chubby. And today she is a beautiful woman. But every day she struggles with her self-esteem and her self-image. I think of a woman who came <clears throat> to me one day in tears over the words that her husband was speaking to her. I mean, these were words that I wouldn't use with my worst enemy. But every day she was having to, to listen to these berating, ugly, uh, disgusting words that he was calling her, humiliating words, and it was just killing her inside. Or I think of the husband whose wife just was always berating her husband in front of others. I mean, the jokes were always were at his expense when they were in front of others. She continued always to, to uh, cut him down, to, to her, you know, just, just to berate him in demeaning ways, so much so that people didn't want to hang around them anymore because it, was just, it just made everybody feel so uncomfortable the way she treated her husband. This is what evil talk looks like in family systems. It's hurtful, destroys. Uh, in our scripture lesson from Colossians, Paul's writing to a, a small group of, of Christians there, a small church, and this church, people are obviously in conflict with one another. They're, they're using evil talk with each other. 
And so he says, but now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Now, note here, Paul is writing this to a group of Christians. Why is he having to write this to a group of Christians? Because they had not let their faith move from their heart to their lips yet. They were still speaking words of anger, words of slander and malice toward each other, abusive language toward each other. I mean, how can you love your neighbor as you love yourself when you're hurling words like this to one another? Now, the truth is, anything that I share, everything that I share with you today is really not going to be anything new to you. You've, uh, you've heard all this before, but I don't know about you. I, I need to be reminded of these things. and I, they, That's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He is reminding us that there really is no place for this kind of talk amongst Christians and Christian life with others. James, uh, writing to a different group of Christians, says this. He says, with it, now he's talking about the tongue. He says, with it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring power forth from the same opening, both fresh and brackish water? So the Christians that James is addressing, these were people who were praising God on Sunday morning. But they were hurling insults at each other during the rest of the week. And so he's, he's telling them, you know, you shouldn't do this. And I love the, the picture that he gives us here. He says, does a, spring, uh, does a spring pour forth good water that gives life, while at the same time pouring forth brackish water that destroys like Roundup or salt water? <laughs> of course not. We have to choose every day the words that are going to spring forth from our lips. Do they give life? Or do they destroy? Now, I recognize these examples that I just gave you a few moments ago with those family members. That, that's probably more the exception than the rule. I mean, most of us don't uh, speak harsh and ugly words when we just, we're talking to our spouse. Or most of us don't use demeaning words when we're uh, uh, you know, addressing our children and those kind of things. But more often than not, most of us are guilty of withholding those positive words that we're meant to give each other. Uh, what Most of us are guilty of, of doing that kind of stuff, just withholding these words. Paul says, let no evil talk come out of your mouth. But then he goes on to say, use only words that are useful for building up so that your words might give grace to those who hear. And this idea of giving grace is it's using words that bless others, <laughs> encourages, builds others up even if they don't deserve it. I mean, that's what grace is. It's, it's, it's giving grace, giving uh, encouraging words to people, even if they don't deserve it. It is to build others up, to encourage others with, with words that bring life to them. When, when I think about rainwater, how rainwater falls on all the plants, uh, it's this image for me of how uh, that, that it's like grace that comes from above. It falls on all the plants and gives them water that sustains them and gives life to them. But in many of the homes that I experience, I see a drought, a drought of those kind of words that build others up and encourage others and offer grace to others. In some families, you have this steady stream of, of kind words that uh, build others up, that offer grace and encouragement, and you see 
those people blossoming in those situations. In other situations, you hardly ever hear those words spoken. There's a drought of that. And, you know, I've seen people grow up in families where it's like this. And maybe you grew up in a family like that. Or maybe you're living in a family right now that's like this. What I've come to observe is that those who grow up in families that look like this, they find themselves for the rest of their lives searching for affirmation. They're they're living out of a, a, a deficit of love. They're always looking for love and affirmation, acceptance of others, because they never experienced it growing up. And they often look in all the wrong places. Part of the beauty and part of the, the, the power of the Christian gospel is this is even if you didn't experience those words of love and affirmation from your parents or from your home life, the gospel tells us that there is a God who knows your name and who loves you. And this word of love from God has the power to feel you and to heal you. An early childhood um, counselor wrote these words. She says, on a daily basis, I see children who are starving for that one-on-one attention that they need from their parents. Children that are missing eye contact, touch, and simple statements such as, you did it, I'm proud of you, I'm, I'm so lucky to be your parent. She says, hurtful words can leave scars, but hearing no positive words can be just as damaging. Noticing and commenting on the positive that we see in others can help build a lifetime of good self-esteem, confidence, and it helps others to learn to love themselves. Women that I've encountered who have been in abusive relationships often tell me that what was so hurtful and what eventually caused them to leave those relationships was the absence of kindness. It was the absence of any words or acts that... um, Uh, made them feel special, made them feel loved. I mean, the absence of those words and those acts of kindness made them feel small and worthless. Let me ask you, do the people in your family feel small and worthless? Or do they feel special, noticed, important, loved? Such is the power of our words. And this is not limited just to our spouses and to our our children. I mean, your parents also need these words of grace and affirmation and love as well. It's kind of interesting. When our children are little, it's it's a special time for us as parents because they're always hanging on us, holding us, saying, I love you, Mommy. I love you, Daddy. And then they reach that preteen to teenage years. It's like somebody kidnaps them and puts somebody else inside their body. And you start to hear words like, I hate you. (laughs) You're the worst parent there ever was. And. You know, I wish I didn't live here. I live somewhere else. And, and then the only time you ever hear any um, loving uh, things from them is, you know, maybe on Father's Day or Mother's Day or Christmas. Oh, yeah, you hear lots of that around Christmas. They love you. Uh, but parents long for our kids to, to say good things to us, to say positive things, to, to love us. We, we as parents long for that. And, and then, of course, you know, they grow up and hopefully they come to their senses at some point and my, I have a, my oldest son's in his 30s, and um, just this past week we received an email from him that just just blessed me so much. And he was sharing with us how much he he um, loves us, how much he appreciates us, and 
you know, something that Marie and I will cherish for many years to come. And then, you know, having realized the blessing that is for me as a parent, it caused me to think about how my own parents, who are now in their 70s, they still need this kind of talk, this kind of affirmation, too. They still need these words of grace. And your parents do, as well, as if they're still living today. I mean, maybe they weren't the, the most wonderful parents. But here's the thing. There is no such thing as perfect parents on this earth. They're just not. We're all learning this together. And maybe they made a lot of some mistakes, but they still need these words of affirmation, these words of, that I love you to encourage them and to build them up, words of grace, especially as they get older. So are you routinely doing this? Or are you withholding those words because of something that's happened in the past? Remember how Paul says to us, let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Our siblings also need this. You know, I have a younger brother. I'm the oldest in my family, and I have two younger brothers. And you know, my other brother, he lives here in the state. And the truth is, we hardly ever speak to each other. I don't know why that's the case. Uh, we just always so busy doing our things, and and um, we're trying to do a better job at that as we get older. Uh, uh, when I see him post something on Facebook with his family, I try to say, "Hey, good job, man." Try to affirm him. I'm proud of him, and and uh, other things. But um, it, it's taken some work to do that. But we just we found that just a kind word every once in a while. It really means a lot. It, does, it goes a long way in maintaining and sustaining the family dynamic. And if you have older children, you need to realize they need these words of grace as well. They need to know that you, you're proud of them, you're proud of their accomplishments. They need to hear this as well and be reassured of your love. So are you offering words of grace to members of your family? By your words, what does your family look like? Well, as we talk about words that we use and the power of those words with our families, I want to share with you four uh, phrases that I think are something we need to be saying very often within our family systems in order to have a healthy family system as opposed to a toxic one. Um, and I, I would encourage you to write these down if you, if you can, but these are, again, these are things you already know, I'm sure. Uh, you've heard them before, but it helps to be reminded of these things and how we should be saying these things more often. First of all, the first thing we must say to our families on a regular basis are the words, I love you. I love you. There's not a person here in this room who does not need to hear those words. All of us need to know that we are loved. We need to know that our, our lives matter to somebody, that there's somebody in this world that thinks we're special and important to them. We all need to know this. You know, the truth is, a lot of people my age grew up with um, fathers that never spoke those words. Because, you know, many of the, the fathers of, of our, my generation and others older, they were um, they didn't have any role models for this. And they also um, found it a little uncomfortable to share, speak emotionally. I mean, that was just kind of the, uh, the uh, culture of that day. And so, you know, I, I can remember from my own life, I knew, I mean, I know that my dad loved me while I was growing up. I know that. But um, I don't remember hearing those words, I love you, from him until the week before I left to leave home to go to college. 
Now, when I have a conversation with my dad, every conversation we have with each other now, we always end with those words, I love you, I love you too, son. We, we say that we've grown a lot in our relationship. But, you know, I really needed that growing up. I, I know that I have a friend who told me he'd never heard those words from his father until the week before his father died. Listen, don't wait until your child is about to leave home or your death is imminent before you speak those words. We all need to hear these words that we are loved. So I'm going to encourage you to find ways to do that. In fact, I want you to do it this week. Find some way that you can use those, say those words to members of your family, especially those who haven't heard it in a while. Uh, you can do this through a note or card. You can do it through a text message, through an email. Uh, you, you can do it through a phone call. But the most powerful way that you can do that is to look that other family member in the eyes and say to them with your own words, I just want you to know, I love you. I love you. There's nothing more powerful than that. By this, you will offer grace to those who hear. So this week, work on trying to find ways that you can just communicate those three simple but very powerful words. The second thing we need to do is we need to follow James's advice when he says, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Well, how important these words are, especially in terms of family dynamics. <clears throat> you know, when it comes to anger, the truth is all of us here are going to get angry. That's just human nature. It's not a question of if we're going to get angry. It's when we do get angry, uh, what are, how are we going to handle that? What are we going to do when that happens? And I don't know if this is true for you, but when I am tired, when I'm stressed out, when I'm frustrated with other things that are going on, and I come home, and I, I'm angry, I, I, find it, I find it easy for me to get angry when I'm like that. It's easier for me to kind of respond angrily to things when I'm tired and stressed out and so on. And I don't know if this is true for you, but when I'm at home, and I get angry, I will often say things to my wife or to my, my children that I would never say to any of you here. <laughs> uh, you know, there are things that happen here at the church <clears throat> that, um, that make me angry. But I would never say things in the same tone of voice or in the same way that I would often speak to my own family. Oh, don't look at me like I'm the only person that does that. You know you do that too. We, <clears throat> we all do that. <laughs> Yeah, we all do that with our families. Why, you know, why? Why is that so? I think good advice would be to heed James here when he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, especially in anger. Uh, you, you heard it said that God gave us two ears and one mouth, and he meant for us to use them in that proportion, that we should listen twice as much as we speak. How true that is. I can remember a few years back, uh, my daughter, when she was little, she was trying to tell me something, and I was obviously distracted in something else. And so at one point, she just took my face in her, hand, her hands, and she said, Daddy, listen to me. You know, I'm like, of course, now I have to do that with her you know, when she's on her phone or something else. And uh, sometimes we have to do that with our spouses, don't we? Uh, we? We live in a world today where we are always multitasking. You know, we just got so much that's on our minds that we're trying to do. But you know the problem with multitasking is that it communicates to the other person that who's trying to get our attention, that what they have to say and, and they are not that important to us. Now, when this happens at my house, uh, and I fuss about the fact that they're distracted, they're not listening to me, oftentimes they'll fire back at me and say, hey, I, I heard you. I heard everything you had to say. And they can repeat everything I had to say back to them. But it's, it's indifferent to regurgitate what somebody said back to them and look them in the eye and listen to them. 
when you look that other person in the eye and you listen to what they have to say, you're speaking to their heart and saying, you matter to me, and what you have to say is important. It's worthy of my undivided attention. Um, you know, it's a tough thing to do, but uh, anyone here find that an issue in your homes? <laughs> I don't think I'm the only one. Uh, we're always multitasking and doing other things, but being able to listen is important. The next phrase is made up actually of six words, and these are words that you've heard before. The first three are, I am sorry. And the next three are, I forgive you. There is no relationship that can survive or be sustained without these six words. I'm sorry, and I forgive you. <clears throat> Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. You know, we pray this every Sunday here when we come to worship. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Here we're asking God to forgive us to the degree that we're willing to forgive one another. Hmm. You know, we simply have to learn how to do this. Because part of being human is that we are going to disappoint and we are going to hurt each other. Uh, in my own family, there's not a day that goes by that uh, we don't uh, have to say, I'm sorry. Or we should be saying, I'm sorry, I apologize. I, I didn't mean to say that that way. I, I, I'm sorry I forgot to do this. You know, we forget to do things. We forget to say things. We forget we, we do things we shouldn't do. We, do. we always ended up offending and disappointing each other in some way. That's just part of being humans. We've got to learn how to forgive. And a few, weeks, I mean, a few months ago, I preached a sermon series dealing with forgiveness. And some of you may have been here for that. We used a, a backpack to represent our lives, the lives of our loved ones. And we used rocks <clears throat> to symbolize those things that uh, we say and do to one another that end up hurting each other. And, you know, sometimes those are little things. But when that happens, we, we hold on to those things. And if there's not a spirit of forgiveness and there's no apologies going on in a family system, then when we, when we say these things to one another or when we do things that hurt each other, it's, it's like you're putting these into the life of your family member and you're forcing them to have to carry that around because you've never acknowledged that you did something wrong. Um, you never come forth and said, I'm sorry. Sometimes these are smaller things that happen. Um, sometimes they're, they're pretty big things that happen to us. And... There are things that hurt an awful lot. And with no apology, again, we just tend to pile those into our lives and we carry them around with us. And as you try to carry that stuff with you, it's, you know, the hurt, the pain, the disappointment. And this, this thing's really heavy. Uh, and you, you carry this stuff around with you and it, you know, it, it stresses you. You can't, you can't breathe that well. Um, uh, you kind of weighted down in life. It's, it's just, you, you, know, you don't feel free to do other things because you're always having to you know, deal with this, this burden this, that you're carrying around with you. And if, and if you're one who, you know, you're, you're holding on to this stuff, maybe the other person in your family has said, I, I'm sorry, I apologize for what I did, but you know, you're, not, you're not willing to let that go. And you're choosing not to forgive. Then this, this is like, letting poison just kill us from the inside out. It sucks life out of us. And, you know, 
He never meant for life to be this way for us. Forgiveness is not saying that what the other person did is okay. Forgiveness is choosing not to let this poison destroy us from the inside out. There has to come a point when you're able to forgive. It's that process of being able to let go of this. And when, you, when you're able to forgive, I'm sorry, <laughs> please forgive me. Yes, I forgive you. When you're able to let go of that stuff, man, it's, it's like you're free again. You know, you can breathe again. You can, you can live again. This is what it's like, your forgiveness. When that happens, you feel like you have life. Let me ask you, are there people in your family that you need to apologize to? Maybe it's something you did in the past, and you never formally went to them and said, look, I'm sorry for what I did or what I said. I didn't mean, I wish I wouldn't have done that or said that thing, but I am sorry. Will you please forgive me? Or maybe you're somebody where you're holding on to that stuff. And you need to forgive. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go to this person and say, hey, I want to forgive you for that terrible thing you did to me. What I'm saying is that maybe it's that you need, in your heart, ask God to help you. God, help me to forgive. Help me to let this go so that it's not destroying me from inside out. And when you do that, I would also ask you to pray for God's blessing upon that person. Because you know, something happens when you pray about these things for one another. Um, this is actually what Jesus told us to do, isn't it? He didn't say when your enemies hurt you or somebody hurt you, you're to get even. He said you're to pray for your enemies. You are to, to seek to bless them. And in the process of doing that, we find that we are the ones who are set free. All right. Finally, Paul says in Colossians that we are to be thankful. Uh, again, I don't know if this is true for you, but I find that in my own life, uh, I find it much easier to focus on the faults of those in my family and the things that I'm disappointed on instead of being focusing on those things that I'm thankful for. It just seems to be our human nature. Uh, if only my dad was more like that. If only my mom was more like this. If only my children were more like that. If only my spouse was more like this. You know, we, it's so easy for us to focus on the negative the faults of others. But listen, you have to know there is no perfect person on this earth. (laughs) There there simply is not. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. And if we focus only on what's wrong and our disappointment of one another, then we're going to find ourselves miserable all the time. Just miserable people. Now, there is room in our family dynamics for constructive criticism to try to help others grow. There's room for that. But I'm reminded of that rule of five words of positive things, five words of praise for every one word of constructive criticism. And that's where they teach you to be in good business in your management. Uh, Five words of uh, praise for every one word of constructive criticism allows you, it it makes the constructive criticism tolerable for you. That's a good rule in our families as well. So there is a place for constructive criticism to help others grow. But the most important thing is to focus on being thankful to be thankful for one another. Um, We need to routinely tell each other, just as important as those words, I love you, is I'm thankful for you. And I want to encourage you to make that a part of your prayer life as well. Something happens when you go to God in prayer and you pray 
for how thankful you are for your your spouse, your father, your mother, uh, your children, your you know, whoever it is. You know, when, when I go to God and I give God prayer of thanksgiving for the blessings of my life, even though we may not have been getting along there all that, during that day, <clears throat> what I find is that when I do that, it changes my heart. And I begin to feel love toward her again. And that changes everything. I want to end with this story. Um, recently, I went to a birthday celebration that um, a man was celebrating his 75th uh, birthday. And uh, it's one of the gifts that was given to him <clears throat> during that birthday party was a book that had been put together by family members of notes and letters from all of his close friends and his family members. And as he was going through this, this book, he began to read, and he, he read some of the letters, and he, he would laugh at some of them, but then there were others that you could see he'd reach up and wipe a tear out of his eye. But when he got to the letters that were written by his two children, I watched this man begin to weep. I was just struck by this strong, rugged individual, how he was just reduced to tears. The power of those words from his family that blessed him. So let me ask you, who in your family do you need to bless with your words? By your words, what is your family looking like? Here I want to remind you of those words that the Apostle Paul gives to us. Let's say them again together. Let no evil talk come out of our mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Let us try to live this way this week with those that God has entrusted to our care, our families. I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. And this morning, if you have a family member that's nearby, a spouse, uh, I would encourage you to take their hand. Uh, If you have a child that's nearby, uh, maybe they're embarrassed to take your hand, but you can grab them anyway. Uh, If you're here alone, (coughs) uh, if you're you're a parent that's a child or vice versa, if you're here alone without a family member, then I just want you to to hold those family members that you have in your your mind. Because I'm going to invite us to pray for one another now. Would you just bow your heads and let's pray together. First, I'm going to invite you to ask for God's forgiveness for the words that you have spoke that um, have hurt others in your family. Maybe your prayer, and I think all of us have to pray this at times, Lord, forgive me for the harsh and hurtful words spoken in the past. Make that your prayer. Next, I want to invite you to give God your thanks. Thanks for those hands that you're holding, your spouse, your child, your parent. And simply say, God, I thank you for this one whose hand that I'm holding. Or I thank you for the person that I'm holding in my heart and mind right now. I invite you to make it your prayer. God, help me to use my words that I might give grace to those who hear. Oh, God, we thank you for your forgiveness and your grace. Help us to be people 
who use our words well. That our words might give life and strength and encouragement. That they might build others up and lift them up so that others might be blessed, God, with the use of our words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.